Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. That's right. Nick's finally allowing me to start the episodes off. And there's a special reason for that. Told you guys a little while ago that uh, I was going to get Nick on here and interview him on his profile. So his GDIY profile. So it's time. We're out here next to the fire doing a grouse camp this weekend. And I'm going to get all the info out of Nick. What do you think, Nick? You you wouldn't let it go. I was was trying to avoid it, but... uh as well as your your profile did people said they wanted more like it and so here we are you ask we're we're gonna give it to you i guess that's right and this thing is totally candid we we do uh kind of have some scripted questions that we ask sometimes just to just to keep us on track on on different topics and stuff but we've got nothing we're just we're just out here next to the fire and uh i'm gonna learn about nick tonight <laughs> i know you're excited about that so let's take it from the very beginning nick tell us where you're from where you were born where you lived all that stuff born and raised in memphis tennessee uh got a bunch of family down in louisiana go tigers national champions all that good stuff and uh really lived there until until i got through college and kind of moved all around the southeast there for a little bit spent a few years in louisiana a year in mississippi arkansas and settled down in nashville tennessee so when did you start hunting and what did you start hunting what what was the species what was the game species you were chasing initially well i grew up mainly only fishing I mean, I, I had a brother and sister, and we were real heavy into competitive sports. And and my dad was a fisherman. He did some hunting back in Louisiana growing up. And but there there really just wasn't much time for hunting. Uh, but my dad made sure to give time to to fishing, and and we'd wake up early and go go do the fishing, and then you know go on to practice or a game or whatever. But there, I always had the desire to hunt, and I just I just didn't have the opportunity, and so. Uh, I got back, I was in college and I got back from boot camp and everything. And it was just kind of one of those, what's been laying dormant all along, kind of shine through. And I'm like, all right, now, now it's time. I think I was, 
19 years old before I got my first hunting license and I was sitting there taking the hunter safety course with all the, you know, 12 year old kids and all that <laughs> stuff. And, yep. uh, but I, I'm real proud of it. I, I got the top score of the class. Hey, good, good <laughs> job, man. So, uh, before we get too deep into your, uh, hunting and who got you introduced to that, you mentioned boot camp. So tell us, tell us about, and I do know a little bit about that, but tell us about that. <laughs> I didn't do anything special. I, I just, I, I was paying my own way through college and uh, didn't really apply myself in high school to grades and, and always figured the arm was going to carry me through college. And, <laughs> and uh, when that fell through, is uh, I was took student loans out for the first year of college. And then I saw that, that bill, even though it was deferred, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm not doing that. So, yeah, uh, Army sounds nice. Yeah, let's go talk to this recruiter real quick. And uh yeah, so just joined the Army Reserves and did six years of that and never got called up. I mean, the, my brother that joined a year after me, my best friend that joined with me, they all they got called up, and it just just weird how it works. Just I wasn't avoiding it. It just just never never really happened. I just did six years and got out easy. And you, and you had a great time doing that, right? Man, it's hurry up and wait. It's <laughs> yep. just. Yeah, there's that's a whole whole another episode right yeah. there. So, was there someone specific that got you into hunting, or or what, did you do it all on your own? Did you have a mentor? It it was really, I had the interest, and I, I had a real close friend, and uh, he he grew up duck hunting, and he, and he was a real big duck hunter, he deer hunting and stuff like that. But he uh, he was real quiet. It, you, you had to pull a lot of information out of him, so I wouldn't really call him a mentor. It was more just, hey, you want to come? Come on. <laughs> and yeah, then I'd go and out there, went. and I went. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, we had a lot of fun times. I mean, it may not have been a great hunt, but but we did it, and we went. And, uh, yeah, this, I, I found myself duck hunting was primarily what I started out doing with him, and he had a lab, and, and I always found out I was – I was asking a lot more questions about his dog than I was hunting. Yeah. I was more interested in the dog than actual shooting the birds and everything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to shoot the birds, but it was just like, oh man, why is the dog doing that? Why are you doing that with your dog? And, 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 uh, it, I just, it kind of came, came out that I just had a really big interest in, in hunting dogs. And, uh, also when I got back from boot camp, uh, I, I'd got my red bone coon hound and that, I, I just kind of knew I was getting him because I was a seven-year-old kid. Favorite book was Where the Red Fern Grows. Yeah. Destroyed that copy of the book. And it was all along, it's like, man, I'm going to have a red bone coonhound. I knew nothing about coonhounds. I knew nothing how to train them, nothing about the hunting. But it was my favorite book. And it's just like, I'm doing that. And so I got the red bone coonhound and started duck hunting with him, my buddy Adam. And uh, Hold on. With, you duck hunted with... The red bone or no, duck? no. Okay, with, I was duck hunting with gotcha. Adam, and then uh, the red bone we'd put out at night. And if he struck something up, cool. If not, we had a couple beers in the pocket, <laughs> and that's yeah. that, that's really what our coon hunting was. And uh, we didn't kill a lot of coons. We we got one occasionally, but it was just it was just let's go hang out in the woods and see what the dog turns up. Right. And, and he he got a few coons and a lot of possums and all my friends called him red bone possum hound and but i didn't care it was just being outside with my dog and and it just kind of grew from there so how'd you go from uh duck hunting in the mornings coon hunting in the evenings to now you've got 
a small Munsterlander and a German shorthair. <laughs> and let's take it one step at a time. You got Rachel first. Yeah. How much later was it that you got Rachel? And talk us through that process on how you found her and what your what your thought process was. Well, I, I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for hounds. And, I mean, there's just something about a hound dog that, that does it for me. But when he started getting about seven or eight years old, he just turned into a bear rug. And, and I wasn't hunting him anymore. I was out of college. I was working. And uh, I'd always had this thing for German short hairs. And I didn't even know what, what it was about. Again, it was just kind of like, those are neat dogs. Sounds familiar. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, that'd be cool to have one one day. And then uh, I was actually engaged to my wife now, at, but at the time we were engaged. And and I remember I always had the the interest in bird dogs, but I didn't know anything about it in the hunting dog podcast. I just... I don't even remember what made me tune into it. I just turned it on and started listening. And after like a week of that, sitting in the office listening to a hunting dog podcast, I come home and I tell my my fiance, I'm like, hey, I want a bird dog. We're getting a bird dog. <laughs> yep. And she just looks at me. And to her credit, she, she didn't say no or anything. She was, wasn't just like, heck yeah, let's go get it. She was just like, okay <laughs> like okay. If, if that's what you want to do and i knew uh, i liked pam yeah and so uh it, it it just started from there and i started doing the research and and i, I literally i remember i had no idea where to start looking in the first place and uh i just typed in german short hair breeders in google that and, sounds like where most people start. yeah and uh but where i think I did something a little different than most people. I didn't just go with the first breeder. I, I literally just went down the line of breeders that came up on Google. And I, and I probably talked to 14 breeders. And, wow. And, and, I mean, I just just one after the other. And uh, I'm just sitting there just soaking in all the information they're giving me, not knowing half the stuff they're telling me, to be honest. But uh probably got to the third page on Google. A little little kennel Moro high kennels i'm looking at their website and i'm like this guy looks interesting i call him up and uh just like we've heard from a lot of other people it just felt right as soon as i was talking to him and uh out of all the breeders i talked to he was the only one he's up in west virginia and he was like yeah come on up like we'll, we'll make a weekend out of it you're welcome to stay at our place and see the dogs in action and i can show you a bunch of stuff and and bring your fiance with you. She she needs to see this too. If she, if y'all are bringing it in the home, and I'm like, okay, done. And I look at Pam. I'm like, hey, we're going to West Virginia this weekend. <laughs> so and that we went up there, and yeah, he he uh, showed us a bunch of different dogs. At the time, I was looking for a pup, and uh, he showed us a bunch of different dogs, put a bunch of different birds out, and I mean, it it, it was in ten minutes. It was just like, yeah, this is this is right. This is what yeah. we're supposed to do. And I could tell Pam still, she was just like, I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> but then he planted a bird, and what's what's funny is now the dog I have now is Rachel. But at the time, we were looking at a pup. He put Rachel on the ground, and he put a bird out, and uh, he handed Pam the shotgun. And uh, What Rachel, a salesman. Yeah, and Rachel pointed the bird, 
and then he went and kicked it up, and Pam shot it down in one shot. Oh and she, man! And she turned down. She's like, "Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> we'll take, we'll yeah, take her." Yeah. And how much is she? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I gave him a deposit for an upcoming litter, and uh, so I thought I had five, six months that he was planning for a spring litter. Okay, so at that point, you weren't no, even going to buy her. No. It was just like this is what we could have in the future. Yes. Okay. And so, I mean, he, he didn't have any intention of selling a started dog or anything. And so I thought we had five or six months to plan and I'm getting home and I'm, you know, kind of like what you did and all these big plans. I'm researching, reading everything. I mean, I had a stack of books that I just ordered off Amazon. I'm reading them and yep. and and planning and trying to make sense of all. Of yeah, it between yeah. the books and the YouTube videos yeah. and and what people are telling you. Yeah, and and you know you're you're going in enthusiastic, but you still you don't know half the stuff that they're talking about. You're trying to soak it in as much as possible. And some books conveyed the information better than others, but it's just like what would make sense to you in one book. You're like, oh, okay, I think I got that. Then you'd open up the next book, and it says to do the exact opposite. And and it, there's really, there was no room of them saying, but you can do it a different way. No, it's like everybody's book was like, you do it this way. And and it, and so I, I, I really didn't know what, what I was going to do as far as training. All I knew is I was getting a dog, and I was soaking up as much information as I could, and I, I would just figure it out as we went along. Yeah, something I've noticed about, any of the most of the books you read is they say this is the way to do it. They don't say this is a way you can yeah. do it. Yep. Um, and that's something specific that Jeremiah and Ken, the guys that we've both gotten our short hairs from, they will both say this is how I do it. Yes. They don't say this is the way to do it. They say this is how I do it. This is how I prefer to do it. So I think that's a good sign of getting you know getting a dog at least from a good person yeah honesty it's just honesty and and it's authenticity because we we hear all the time from i mean there's a million podcasts out there and you hear all all these different breeders and trainers and and you can tell who really cares about somebody to develop a really good dog because they'll if they're telling you this is the only way to train a dog then you know there's something not right and the the good trainers and the good breeders know there's a million ways to skin a cat and one way doesn't work for everybody one way doesn't work for every dog and uh i know we kind of went down a rabbit hole there but uh i, I yeah I, I guess to back up to what kind of changed me from a pup to getting rachel uh so a couple months had gone by and then he, he randomly called me and he was like hey look uh i know you're on on the uh litter to get a pup this coming spring and i'm still doing that litter so you you can feel free to say no to this but i i know no uh you're looking to get into this you're brand new and uh i'm looking to downsize a few dogs in my my lineup and i have this re- really get great dog you hunted over uh pam shot a bird pam over. shot a bird over <laughs> and uh he was like i think you would learn a lot more from this dog than what you could teach a pup right now and i'm like okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense and me and pam talked it over and she's like yeah that that makes sense i mean it's not like she was old she rachel was she was i think a year year and a half old but she had already gone through a lot of the training she had already been force fetched by him uh but it was just mainly field work that's that's all all she knew right and and was accustomed to but she already hunted woodcock and grouse in, in michigan she had already been out to the dakotas she had already been out to oklahoma 
And so it's just like, okay, like this makes sense. And uh, I mean, she's not finished, but she started and it, and it gives me a good starting point. And so uh, he actually, we met up in Kentucky on the way back home from a hunting trip in Oklahoma that he, he went on. And so we picked her up and brought her home and that started my bird dog adventure. Yeah. So we were talking about how everyone has their own recipe, if you will. And that's an analogy that, that someone gave me one time is it's kind of like chicken noodle soup. Everyone's going to have the (laughs) way to make it and their way. When they tell you about it, it's going to be the only way. So I bring that back up because you got her as a started dog. Well, sometimes when you eat someone else's recipe, you still add a little salt and pepper to it. She was already force fetched. I know you had, you didn't have to, but you chose to do some stuff on, uh, retrieving work with her. What'd you do to, to make it your own, uh, once you got her? So when I got her, Jeremiah only hunts upland. He he doesn't have any interest in waterfowl. I, I think I even asked him when we were up there, I'm like, do you dove hunt with him? He goes, no. I mean, it was it's pretty much only upland, and 90% of that is grouse and woodcock with with his line. And yeah. uh, so I got her, and I'm just, I'm like, okay. She, she had never even been swimming. A year, year and a half old, never even been in the, in the waters. And so I got her. She had been force-fetched, and she, she would go slam on point. And she would retrieve, and that—that's pretty much where she was at. She was, she didn't have a bunch of steadiness, no water work, no, none of that, uh, no place training. It was just, just a meat dog. I mean, she had the nuts and bolts. She had every tool in the toolbox that you needed to go hunt and put birds in your vest. Yeah, and he also does a lot of, or did a lot of UFTA stuff, yeah. and I think she, yeah, she did a few events there. Yep. Um, so to her credit, she wasn't just a meat dog. I mean, she she was in his, what he considers a finished dog. That's all he needs them yeah. to be able to do. That's all he requires for his competitions and and uh, his preference on hunting. So yeah, I got her and uh, kind of sped up the clock. Like I said, I thought I had a few months, and then I thought I had even more months on that developing a puppy to figure out what we're doing. And I, I went from how do I train a puppy from step one on up to how do I finish a dog? Right. (laughs) And so it it was nice that I'm getting this started dog and she was huntable and all that. But I I literally kind of jumped like two or three years into a dog's lifespan to like, okay, like we're working on something more than just bird exposure or gun exposure. Yep. And so I, I, it's kind of a different world than what most people deal with when they get their first dog. And uh, I remember I, I was looking for anybody to help. I mean, sure. I was throwing up flags all over the place. I contacted NAVDA, but there wasn't another training day for a few weeks. And then I, I found a uh, quote-unquote trainer local <laughs> around Nashville. And, and I call him. I'm like, man, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And, and he's like, well, come on up. Like, you know, I'll just – evaluate the dog and we can talk about it and blah 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 and i'm like okay like but i want to be involved and he's like yeah come on up we'll just take a look at your dog and evaluate her like okay and i get up there and he meets us at the truck and you could tell he's that guy like i have to establish dominance over this dog immediately (laughs) oh man and so it's like he opened before we even like shake hands he opens the truck door and he's just like come here (laughs) and he just grabs her by the collar and he hooks her on a check cord and he's 
healing, trying to cast her all over the place. And I'm just sitting here like, this is really weird. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad that you've had some sort of ridiculous experience because oh, I shared, you know, my whole story oh, and man, how ridiculous dude, that is. So you, you, keep on. Yeah. Tell us. So we, so I, we spend like an hour out there with him and there's no birds or anything. He's just doing yard work with her and and i mean not do, now i look back on him like he did nothing like absolutely nothing right and he's sitting there and he comes back he's like man that's a hell of a dog and i'm like, like how do you know it. like what are we looking at here and pam's out there with me and, and she's just she's just hanging out with uh with his wife and they're having a good old time and next thing you know he's just like man i got this mail and uh your dog is is really impressive, and uh, we should talk about doing a litter sometime. Oh my goodness! And I mean, like ten minutes into it, it, it this has been about an hour. Like we're winding down now, but I'm okay. still just like, I'm green as grass here, and I'm what just sitting here. I'm like, all right, my red, my flags are coming up now. I'm like, you haven't seen her on birds, nothing. Like all you've done is some check cord work in the yard, and. Uh, and I just kind of placate him and just like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe we can talk about that later or whatever. But yeah, I appreciate your time. We're going to go on out of here. And he looks at me and is just like, well, I mean, that's, you know, 150 bucks. Whoa. And, and I look at him. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, I mean, we just did a training session. And I was like, no, nah, man, we, we came up here for an evaluation just so you could see and then guide me and we could talk about training. Did you pay him? And uh, he goes, well, <laughs> I think there's this miscommunication. Uh, now, I tell you what, like, it, I like you and I, I like your dog. Just just kind of give me what, what you think is fair. <laughs> and, and I just kind of look at him. I was like, how about $20? <laughs> 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 and he just looks at me. I was like, that's all I got because uh, we didn't. We came up here for an evaluation. I don't carry $150 cash on me, and I don't have a checkbook. So it's like 20 bucks, or we'll see you later. Yeah. And so he takes 20 bucks, and I never talked to that guy again. Uh, oh, he, he was trying to impress me, like, oh, yeah, we got it, this preserve up in Kentucky and, and all this stuff. I'm like, that's cool. Like, a guide, okay, he's got to know what he's talking about. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's just knowing what I know now, I'm just like, oh, man. And, uh, but yeah, so that that was a real interesting trip. And then just a side note, on the way back from his place, my truck dies, the transmission went out, and I'm just like, man, I, I'm stuck out here in the middle of the interstate with with Rachel and and Pam. no cash, no cash now. He took my twenty bucks. And, yep. And uh, I'm like, well, this was uh, an interesting adventure to end of my first, you know, kind of trying to find guidance with the with the bird dog training but uh yeah so needless to say i didn't talk to him to him again and and uh i just kind of started down the navda road after that yeah and that's what's great about navda is that guy what he valued at 150 or <laughs> what you valued at 20 yeah uh you go to navda for a day and there's a crew of people yep. usually that are that are eager to help you yes and that's what our podcast is about is we want to share these mistakes yep. that we've made so that other people can can learn from it and realize you don't need to go find the first guy on Craigslist and go pay him 150 bucks to yank yeah. your dog around on a check cord. Exactly. So 
going from a short hair. I mean, I've never even asked you about this before. How'd you go from short hair and then a few years <laughs> later you decide I'm going to, I'm going to grow a beard and get a small monster lander. How'd that happen? Well, I, uh, I, I took Rachel through NAVDA and just through the training days and everything. And, and, and I kind of latched on to Norm and, and a couple other guys there that were real knowledgeable. And uh, they talked me into uh, to testing. And, and, and Austin was planning on testing his dog. And, and he's like, man, let's do this together. And I'm like, I'm like yeah. I don't know. I, I just want to train my dog and I want to hunt. Like, I, I didn't really get into this to, to test or anything. And, and I think it was Norm one day. He, he was like, hey, look, I know you, you don't want to test. He's like, but at the end of the day, you training for that test is going to make your dog a better hunter. Whether yep. whether she passes, whether you end up saying still saying that you don't want to test, just it gives you objectives and goals to actually strive for, and uh, so so go for it. And uh, we started started training for the test and uh, tested her in utility, and uh, got a prize too in utility, and. I was going down to North man, I I overtrained. I I really did, but it was it was I didn't overtrain the dog. It was just I was trying to catch up on my lack of knowledge. And so I was going down to Norm's every Saturday and Sunday. I was picking his brain. I was emailing I know he was sick of me. <laughs> and I, I was every time at training day, Larry was there, I'd I, I would just follow him around and annoy him like a four-year-old kid just following his dad around just just hey what's this what's that what's that and so that that first year of navda and training for that test i i really i tell people i kind of downloaded like 20 30 years of experience almost just sure. by bugging the crap out of them and uh so i test her and, and we did really well she she barely missed out on a prize one on a couple things and uh and I was hooked. And so yeah. I was just like, I need another dog. I want to start from a pup. And I called Jeremiah and I'm like, hey, I need a pup. And so I was getting a short hair. And uh, he's like, okay, let's got on a litter. And uh, next litter came up and it didn't take. And he was like, I'm going to do another litter, you know, with this pairing in a few months. She should come in heat. I'm like, okay, well, put me on that list. And uh, so I'm still waiting on the pup, and I'm still working Rachel and, and just learning and soaking up everything. And all the while, I'd always had this little just impression of small monster landers. And, and I, I'm like, man, those are gorgeous dogs. But I'm never going to buy a dog that I've never seen work. And then this one guy shows up at a training day, and he's got three of them. <laughs> and I just followed him all around all day. I mean, they're all different stages. So I got to see like a finish one, one just past the NA level, and then one that was working towards NA. Did Pam shoot a bird over one of them? That no, day? she didn't no. go out to that one. And uh, I mean, I'm sitting there watching this four or five month uh, old, old small Munsterlander pup just never seen a track, never seen a bird. Like it's intro level everything. And he just nailed it. I mean, just followed a track. Like, it just blew me away. And I'm just like, wow. Well, I'm on a list for a short hair. Like, I'm getting a small monster lander later. Well, about a month or two later, Jeremiah calls me. He's like, hey, you're not going to believe this. First time in 25 years of breeding, 
I've never had a litter not take. And then this is two litters in a row that didn't take. Wow. And I'm like, oh, man. And he was like, I don't have another plant breeding until next year. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I appreciate it. I'll I'll probably go find something else. And then I, I just get get off the phone with him. And I'm like, well, let's start looking at small monster landers. And, again, this time I didn't pull up Google. I pulled up yep. the NAVDA pedigree, progeny reports, sure. and breeder reports. And I spent three days in the dungeon looking at all those. And I just started going down the line with those breeders and calling all them. And, uh, Norm, Norm was just like, Hey, I asked him, I'm like, Who, who's good to talk about small moonsliners with? He was like, call Kara Whitaker down in Florida. I'm like, okay, call her. And she was like, here's the breeders you want to talk to. And, and I called every single one of them and all of them were great. And talked to Chris Hill at Hunting Hills. And she was telling me the, the litter that she actually had, I think it was just born and, uh, there were 17 pups in that litter oh my goodness yeah and so she was like i didn't take 17 deposits so we actually have a couple more <laughs> sure and uh i start looking at the the progeny reporter the parents and everything and and i'm like okay yeah let's uh let's do it and so a couple weeks later i was in the truck on the way up to brainer nebraska picking up lucy wow a couple weeks later so what what was the big difference between when you got Rachel? I mean, obviously Rachel was a started dog and Lucy was a puppy, but I imagine you had a long list of things. You had been building lists for a couple of years at that point yep. on things you wanted to do with the puppy. Tell us where you started. What was your process with the puppy? My process was really just get her home and let her be a puppy. And that's one thing I learned by being as as pushy and needy i guess you could call it in the chapter was i got to see a bunch of people show up with pups and and i recognized the people's the people who had pups that were really succeeding and making strides were the guys that took it slow yeah they're not in a hurry yeah small steps and dog training gets you to the destination quicker And, and everybody gets these dogs and they want to push 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 and so i got her and i'm just like I'm just going to go at the pace of her. I'm not I'm not going to push or anything like that. And so we just got her home and, and for the first week or two I just let her get be a pup and, and I let her play around, get used to her environment and her and Rachel, you know, hit it off and wrestling and playing and then it was about 2 weeks in I'm like, "All right, like started incorporating the training sessions." This, you know, obviously first 2 weeks obviously I'm working on housebreaking and stuff like that, but sure. Two weeks in, then it's okay. Well, it's crate training, recall, heel, doing fun retrieves down the hall with a pair of socks, and and just slow and steady. Like like I always talk about, it was just consistent though. It was just every morning, ten minutes, get home from work, ten minutes, you know, roundabout. I didn't have a stopwatch on, but and ever just kept it fun, and she just kept making strides and i mean just going super fast the only thing that was slow with her and and it's kind of common with some small monsties is uh her point was really slow to develop uh but at four and a half five months old we're going to north dakota to hunt and uh i mean she wasn't pointing or anything so i didn't take her to hunt with her but i took her for the exposure get used to long long road trips get used to just being in the hunting camp and stuff like that and uh that's really what i did and i'm just like i'm not rushing it 
and uh, I wanted to do the NA test as early as possible with her because I, I feel like as soon as they start showing the capability, I don't want to train for the NA test. So it's like, okay, as soon as she shows point, I'm signing her up. Sure. And uh, she, man, she didn't, didn't show point till seven and a half, eight months old. And that's still pretty young. I mean, you can test a dog in NA till 16 months. Well, so, well, by the time she showed point in the next test that was in reasonable driving time, she turned 11 months old the day of the test. Okay. And so she tested it at 11 months old. And, uh, but yeah, it, it just, a lot of people kept saying, like, aren't you worried she's not going to, I'm like, she's going to point. It's just a matter of when, like, it's going to connect. Like, we saw a couple flash points here and there, but it just, it just wasn't happening. Just needed to develop a little more. Yeah. And, and did you do anything specific to help develop that, or did you just, just let nature just, take its I, course? I just kept putting her in front of birds. I'd go to training day, put birds down, and she, she would flash and then just keep going. And I made sure that, you know, she couldn't catch the birds, but I didn't use launchers. I didn't, I didn't restrain her with the check cord or anything. I wanted that drive up and I'm just, I'm letting nature take its course. I'm just planted the birds light. You know, there's a, there's an art to planting birds. And just like with dog training, anyone you talk to has the way to plant birds. One person will say you hold them and shake them (laughs) like a Coke can. The other one will say you have to tuck its head under its wing. Another one will say, hold them by the feet, let them flap out pillowcases get involved sometimes i mean there's just all kinds of different methods some people just drive by on a four-wheeler and throw them into cover but you know as long as you plant them light for like what you're trying to accomplish so the dog can't charge in and catch the bird i think that helps so that's kind of what you did with her so yeah I, i just kept putting it out her out there in front of birds and you know, she wasn't doing it, and then hunting season hit. We went to North Dakota, and training days were kind of over at that point. She still didn't show point, but I just kept taking her, kept taking her. Then January came, and me and Olson went and met up with Jeremiah down in Oklahoma uh, for for quail. And, uh, man, the, the lease he had, it, it used to be bang up, but it's like the, the owners of the lease, it's thousands of acres. They just went into the cattle business. And the cattle ate all the grass, and man, we just we weren't finding birds, and uh, so I mean, it was just like man, three days in, we're like, you'd find a single here and there, but it's like the only covey we found that entire trip. We're walking back towards the truck, like man, this is a wasted trip, and I look up, and Lucy slammed on point under a mesquite tree. Out of all those short hairs, the small Munstee out of Rachel and Scout, both utility tested dogs and everything. The small Munstee, seven and a half, eight months old, that's never pointed really, just flash points here and there, is slammed rock solid point under a mesquite tree. And Rachel comes in and backs her. Scout comes around and Austin woed him into a back. And we get to the mesquite tree and they all flush. The only covey we we found the entire trip, and it flushes on the back side of the mesquite tree, and the trees in between me and the birds. And of course, I'm shooting. I don't care. I don't hit it because there's yep. a tree in between us. And I just start yelling at Austin, "Shoot it! Shoot it!" And he downed a bird, and all the dogs broke. And who comes up with the retrieve? But Lucy. Oh wow! <laughs> and she, Perfect. And she brings it all the way back to me. 
And uh, Austin's like, man, are you upset that, like, I shot her first? I'm like, dude, I don't <laughs> care right now. Like, I swear people could have heard me scream, and I was so excited for her. And I got back, and, I mean, just that entire trip. I mean, we went and found other birds, but, again, they're all little singles, maybe twos, maybe That threes. was the only covey. That was the only decent-sized covey. It's like we found a couple threes and fours here and there, but, like, one that actually was, you know, eight to ten birds or what a good covey. And, uh, yeah. And so she slammed on point that, and I didn't even test it out again. I got home. Like she showed a point, sign her up. Let's go. How'd she end up doing on the NA test? She got a max score. So that's interesting that she maxed it out for NA. So obviously got a four in pointing, but then utility got a three in pointing. So has her point changed at all, or do you think that there's a different standard for pointing at utility? And I know that NAVDA judges that listen to this are going to start <laughs> rolling their eyes. I mean, we don't we don't know. We're not judges. So, well, I mean, I'm with, we're legitimately asking, you know, with, hit us up. Tell us. With, well, with the NA test, they're not looking for – they're just looking for the dog to dev, to show point. It's, it's in their natural ability. UT, you're getting graded on – not style, but staunchness. Like they want to see that the dog slammed a point and is holding it. And her point didn't didn't really change, but for whatever reason, pen raised birds or planted birds, she's real soft on. And uh, but wild birds, she'll slam it. And so it, I think it has more to do with the human scent than it does anything. It's it's kind of like okay, I smell a bird, but I smell a human here too. But we've, we, you know, she's hunted North Dakota, Oklahoma, Wisconsin now, and a couple other states. Every time she's been around a wild bird, she'll slam a point. Yeah, and we had her on wild birds uh, in Iowa. Yeah, at the well, in here in Tennessee on mm-hmm. uh, beginning of the year, yep. beginning of the month yep. and the year, um, and she was much more intense on those. And yeah. I guess for natural ability, again, I'm guessing, but. You know, intense, convincing, unmistakable, productive. Those are the 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 four criteria they're going yeah. off of. So, for a natural ability dog, they're looking for instinct. So, I guess it could just be a pause, and they yeah. all go, "Yep, that's a point." Yeah. But for utility, it is a different standard. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, she uh, she did great on the NA, and then after that, it's just like, well, let's start start working on force fetch knock that out she flew through that and then it's like well let's just start working towards the utility thinking that i was gonna run her this upcoming spring and uh halfway through the summer i'm just looking at her and i'm like crap she's She's ready she's ready i mean you know her point still wasn't as strong as what i wanted it to be and we knew that going into the test i mean when you've heard it on the the podcast in previous episodes that's what we knew was going to be the weak point going into the test and uh it was. It's it's the only thing she got knocked on on the test. It kept her from her prize one. But yeah, she turned eighteen months the day of the utility test. And so she ran NA in April and then utility at the last week of September. And Man, it, she's such a fun dog to to watch work. I mean yeah. every time you let her out, she just has this look on her face like she's just happy. <laughs> and yeah. some of the other dogs look serious yes or and, well you get and they you, take themselves a little too serious she's just like i'm having a good time you get rachel it's a blast out, yeah. to watch her work you get rachel out of the kennel and she she comes walking out 
like I don't know a pro wrestler entrance or something. She's just like, all right, we're here. Yeah, let's, serious face. Let's kick ass. Let's let's go. And yeah, and Mitch looks like <laughs> like I'm serious, but he's too goofy to really be serious. <laughs> yeah, but you you open the kennel and it's just like, man, if I could get out of bed in the morning the way she gets out of yeah. the kennel to go hunt or train, life would be so much better. It's just she just gets out and she's just let's go and and she's yep. a blast and uh but i mean it, i i'm really enjoying her it, she's a completely different working style than rachel hunting training all that she has a different temperament and and i know i didn't train rachel from when she was a pup on but I, i've helped so many people with other pups and short hairs and and all kinds of different breeds and every breed's different but uh it's it, with with Lucy, I felt like it took a little bit more finesse, and I had to be a little bit more patience with her. You know, short hairs that they're a little. You can be a little more. I don't stern. Yeah. It, Generally with, speaking, I think short hairs yeah. can take a little more harsh. Yeah. Training. And so with Lucy, it was just I focused on keeping it fun and, and positive as much as I could, and, and but I kept it consistent. There was an expectation, and I went at the level of the where she was at, and I kept it as fun as possible. But if she messed up and she didn't hit the standard that she knew what it was, I would reinforce it. But she she can't she can't take as much pressure as Rachel, and uh, but I felt like that just lit the fire under me. I want to train more breeds. Because every breed's different. And I feel like as a trainer, I can get better by working with different types of dogs and different types of breeds. Absolutely. And short hairs, you know, they, they kind of come stock. Not, not, yeah. to, I mean, it, you have to train them, you, you have to mold them. But man, short hairs, they come out of the box ready to go. These other dogs, different breeds, you, you have to. I, I don't know, you don't have to motivate them, but you have to, you have to know your dog. And I felt like I became a much better trainer just working with Lucy. And it could have been that I started with her as a pup as opposed to started. But like I said, I've helped so many people with pups at training days and then just people on the side. And it's, it's, you get a short hair and it's like, you don't have to do much. Well, and it's not a knock on short hairs to say that they, they come out of the box ready to go. I mean, it's really a compliment. There's a reason why they're the number one registered breed in NAVDA. Right. Um, The other thing is, you know, short hairs get a a reputation like we were just talking about for being able to take a more stern training hand. There's more forgiveness in it. Well, and that's just it. My dog's pretty soft, actually. If I overcorrect him, he still will kind of, you know, be sad, and you can see his tail tuck and his ears droop and all that stuff, but he recovers from it real quick yeah which is really nice for a novice trainer like me that that goes oh yeah i made a mistake maybe i was too harsh on him he recovers i mean like in a matter of seconds right and maybe a month he doesn't well and uh, it every dog's different even within different breeds sure but i i can honestly say that i think number one jeremiah was right that i learned more from rachel than what i could have taught a pup Yep. And that really, I mean, that, that put me 
way ahead of the ball game as far as learning out this this training thing. And, and obviously, I'm not an expert and I don't know everything, but working with Rachel, who already had a strong foundation, and then her being a short hair, the stuff that I was messing up on with her not knowing any better, there was amount of there's a certain amount of forgiveness in it with her. Yeah, I I don't think that I could have gotten Lucy. I don't think Lucy would be as good of a dog as she is now if I started out with her, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And so I learned so much. And that's what, when I tell everybody, when they're like, hey, how did you find your breeder? And it's like, look, just find the breeder that feels right. Don't, Don't go with the first breeder. Don't go with color. Don't go with price. I mean, you learned that on your first one that we oh, talked man. about. Everything and, you just said, I learned yeah, on my first one. And, and fortunately, I don't, I don't know what what motivated me to talk to that many breeders, but I mean, I, I went down the line, and and it, it was I was very close. I was about to have a standing stone short hair, and they were great. I, I talked to them. They yeah. have a, they have a great system. I've seen their dogs. Absolutely. And that's who I thought I was going, but I continued talking to other breeders. And it's just like, I talked to Jeremiah and he's the only one that just like invited us up to his home and just getting to know him, like his style of hunting. We saw eye to eye. I'm like, yeah, that's the dog I want. Yeah. And that's not a knock on any of the other breeders you looked at. It's just, it's, if you get along with the person, then chances are you're going to get along with their dogs too. And that's, we were helping a guy out recently. He's, you know, doing the same thing, looking at all these different kennels. Yeah. And he's showing us pedigrees, and we're like, well, we, we know this dog or we know this title, and that's good, and this could be good or it could be bad depending on what you want. Yep. And after a little while, we're walking through the woods, and, and I just said, talk to the breeder, and if you get along with him yeah. and everything else kind of smells right, yeah, just go for it. Yeah. and Which is not like tried and true how to do it but that's you know i think a big portion of it is getting along with the person the paperwork the paperwork is a great starting point it gives you a good insight but you really need to get to know you have to have a good honest feeling with with the breeder to know whether they're feeding you a lot of trash or whether you really trust their opinion and what they're telling you of their dogs and i tell everybody an honest breeder, you should be able to say, what are you working on in your line? And if they say nothing, my line's perfect, something doesn't smell right. Because right. the good breeders know what areas they're trying to improve in their lines. And Jeremiah was more than open. And not I'm not talking him up. What the point I'm getting at with him is not only was I getting to know him, but he got to know me as well to know he called me to offer Rachel. And... He actually regrets it when we went hunting in Oklahoma. Yeah. He's like, man, I should have kept that dog. But, uh, yeah, and she is the first dog in her entire line. He's been he's been training for or breeding for 25-plus years, and he's a, she's the first one to ever train in NAVDA. And, uh, but he's well-known in the UFTA lines. Yep. And even the judge at her test. He was like, "Oh, Moro High. I haven't ever seen one of those in Navda. <laughs> yeah, what's that thing? <laughs> that's a that's a hell of a line." And I'm just like, yeah. "Cool, okay." Well, we're so quick to look at the papers on a dog and let it outweigh how we're getting along with the person that we're getting it from. We go, "Well, this guy's kind of weird," or or this whole <laughs> situation I'm pulling up to here is not good, but the papers look good. I mean. 
Yeah. You really got to have both. You got to yeah. have good looking papers and you got to yeah. get along with the person. Exactly. And, and it's, and we have a good, good relationship still to this day. And he, he's kind of gotten out of the, the dog training for sure. And he still hunts and everything, but I, I know he kind of stepped up step back out of the dog world a little bit his kids are a little older i think at the age that they're at and then his work whatever he he stepped out but we still talk sure. occasionally and and he still plans hunts and we we're trying to meet up this fall and do a hunt and uh just didn't work out but yeah it's i mean you, you have to trust the breeder and it's more than just paperwork and i know we're we're arping on this but but it's true i mean it's like it's like the guy that we we're helping out he was sending us all these paperwork i'm like okay yeah that's an akc trial champion awesome one thing about akc though you can run that dog a thousand times and then get enough legs to get the the title and what's to say that you know they didn't get all the legs in one go it's like there's more to it than just well, the paperwork. Yeah, and not to discredit any of those titles. No, uh, no. Because you can do the same thing in NAVDA. We're obviously but, NAVDA but guys. With, yeah. But with but Na- you can go into NAVDA yeah. in the database and see. Their scores for okay, every Okay, this dog's run utility five you, times yeah. or whatever. You, you see how many tests they ran, how old they were when they ran it. Uh, you get a, a much bigger picture, and it, that's still not even the whole picture. You know but, what, though? In the end, the dog got the title. Yeah. So yeah. who cares how many times it got it? Yeah. I mean, it, all I'm saying is, like, I was just using that as an example. I'm not knocking on AKC. I'm not knocking on UFT, Nastra, whatever. I mean, it, your game is your game, and whatever got you in it, I'm all for it because it got you into the dog world. I'm just saying... I wish people would just stop looking at papers yeah. as the end result. That I, again, I think it's a good starting point, but you really need to see their parents' work. You you need to get to know the line and the breeder and their viewpoint on yeah. what they're actually working on. That's fair. I see your point. A lot of people are like, "Oh, this dog's a master hunter." Yeah, but what you're saying is, you know, they could they could have done it. I mean, I think you need maybe six, the person is I think retired. You need six legs, and it's like, well, they could have run it forty times. And if the yeah. breeder's not honest with you, how do you know? Because the owner of that dog could be retired and has the time, money, and resources to just drive yeah. all over the country and run that dog in as many trials or hunt tests as it needs to until it gets that exactly until it gets the, the again, score. Look the at it and be like, hey, that, it's an accomplishment. It's it's a great it is. accomplishment. It is. I don't have a master hunter on, on my dog. Yeah, me either. But <laughs> it, it's, don't just take the papers at face value. Do a little research. Do a little digging. Ask the breeders a hard question because you're a lot of people get intimidated, especially if it's their first dog, to ask breeders. And it's like, you're about to buy a, a 12, 14, 15-year commitment. Yep. And bring it into your house, and you need to know as much as you can. And and the good breeders understand that, and, and the honest ones understand it. Yeah. And I'm not knocking breeders or trying to preach to everybody, but that's just – I wouldn't be where I am today without being able to trust both of the breeders I went to and knowing the caliber of dogs that I, 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 I got. And uh, But, again, it's a starting point, and uh, there was a lot of – a lot of training mishaps along the way, but I learned from each and every one of them. And like I say all the time, find people that know more than you and bug the living mess out of them. Have a mentor. I yeah. mean, we say do it yourself, but 
having a mentor is like probably one of the biggest things yeah. you can do to help yourself out. Yeah. I mean, we've both shared our, our failures and how we've had to f- find people and, and NAVDA to help us out. You're not totally doing it on your own. It still requires research yeah. and a mentor Yep, and some failure. Oh yeah. And I mean, and not saying that we've got it figured out either because we've not. still got and, a bunch to learn. Well, I mean, again, the good trainers will tell you they're all, they're still learning. I mean, everything adapts, everything changes, and there's always better methods that are being proven, uh, better equipment's coming out, like, it, everything changes, and so, obviously, for the millionth time, we're not experts here, but we're, we're still picking the brains of the guys that came before us, and they're learning from us just as much as we're learning from them, too. I mean, it's just, went hunting with Norm, and He's just like, how do I use this Garmin doohickey? <laughs> and, uh, he, needs a, he needs a little bit of a younger guy to yeah, help him out. Yeah. And, Show him how a touch screen yeah, works. And I'll, I'll call him and be like, hey, have you heard of this this piece of equipment? And he's like, what the heck's that? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, it's you. everybody just starting out, you have just as much to offer. But that does not mean go in there to the training day and be like, hey, I, I heard this on GDIY. I heard this oh, on man. HDP. I heard this yeah. wherever. I read this in a book. You need to be doing it that way. The du- best thing you could do at your first training day is just Shut take up. notes. Yep. <laughs> Put duct tape in on your mouth and go in. Yeah. And uh, find find a good mentor. Honestly, my first training day, it was, it was a little intimidating because everybody was so motivated to help. Yeah. I had like – I was – I was trying to drink water from a fire hose. And, and, <laughs> That's good. And it's I had 15 people all telling me what to do, and everybody has a different method. And so it, it's, it was a little overwhelming. And uh, I realized real quick, okay, I need to sit back. I need to watch everybody go, and I need to find somebody with the same training outlook as me. And, and naturally, it just happened to be the few senior judges that train in Tennessee, and I just – they probably regret it now because I've been bugging the mess out of them ever since. Yep. Nothing so, wrong with that. No. So, uh, <clears throat> some point in the future, we're going to get Joe on here, and he's going to tell us about Jack, his English setter, and you guys get to hear about that. Uh, Nick, what are we missing? Uh, anything? I mean, I know we kind of went off on a rabbit hole about breeding <laughs> and pedigrees and well, all that. What what other part of your story are we missing? Anything? I, I mean, I'm sure stories will come out here and there and as we're talking and some of these stories i think they've already heard and and i know we we just went long we these profiles that we're we're starting to do they're they're really going to be shorter and uh we're gonna be getting a lot of a lot of average not average but just your regular diy guys starting out everybody's going to learn from everybody's stories and they're going to be shorter. I know mine and yours are a little longer because you know we're we're selfish like that. But uh, well, and also doing a an interview in person is know, different than doing one on the phone. So yeah. sometimes the the in person thing goes longer, and I think they're they're good. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think we've gone long enough. People are probably sick of hearing about <laughs> me. I, I would say, but yeah, just know that the profiles that we have coming up, we we have a lot of a lot of ideas coming out and uh they're going to be shorter sweeter episodes and you don't have to listen to us ramble on for 
an hour or <laughs> however long this one's been going on. So real quick, Nick, any uh, dogs in the future for you? What are you thinking? Man, I'm, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a little hooked on small monsties right now. I, yeah. I want to try so many breeds, though. I really do. Like, uh, There's not many breeds that I don't want to try. There's a couple of them, but... I mean, I, I want to try a lot of them. I want, I want the setters. I, I want the, I want the poodle pointers. I want, I want to try a lot of breeds. And Man, Jackie's the same way. Every dog she sees, she's like, "Let's get one of those," and I'm like, "No, let's just get another short hair." Well, and I mean, Ron, if you're listening, I got a soft spot in my heart for a hound. You, when's those Broncos coming back out? And <laughs> you know they're not hounds, right? <laughs> hey, hey they're, they're coon hounds at point, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, no, in all seriousness, I mean, I also I want to keep getting better as a trainer, and that that's also branch out in different worlds. I, yeah. I want a flusher. I, I want a retriever and uh the trick is i want all these dogs the trick is getting pam to want all those dogs so i need to find breeders that are going to put birds out and hand her a shotgun (laughs) that's all it takes that's all it takes apparently well nick thanks for sharing your story with us uh it's been a good time let's get another log on this fire huh yeah let's do it get a refill while we're at it all right guys see ya all right thank you for listening to gdiy If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.